You're listening to Email Friday on Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be taking a look at some emails we received on a very important issue in this country and in the world at this time. I'll begin by sharing with you that the Law and Gospel book by C.F.W. Walther, which is about $54 through CPH, we're offering at $40. We send it to you. We'll pay the postage and handling. That's all it costs you. And all you need to do is email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. And we'll send you the book. Don't send me money. Uh, there'll be a bill in the box with the book. And you can use it as one is going to use it for Pastor Appreciation Sunday in October. So whatever use you have of it, this is one of the best books to have in your house. As CFW Walther describes over 20 ways in which individuals confuse law and gospel by what they say. Well, having said that, what did I hear last night? in talking on the phone with a pastor. He told me that there was another pastor who said abortion was okay because Jesus never spoke out against abortion. Now, when I heard that, I couldn't believe it. Has he never heard of the fifth commandment? Thou shalt not kill which Luther clearly states, it means you shall not hurt or harm your neighbor, which, of course, abortion does. Also, I, I said, well, if you're going to use that criterion as to whether or not something is a sin or not, Jesus never condemned pedophilia. So is it okay to do that? There are many sins. I, I can't find anywhere in the Bible where Jesus condemned going over the speed limit. You see how ridiculous such a statement is? Just because we don't have a Bible verse that condemns a specific sin doesn't mean that that specific sin is not condemned in the Bible under the Ten Commandments and other rules that God has set up. Just look at Jesus speaking in Solomon's book on the wonderful parables that he talks about again and again. And there are many things there that are said. I don't remember Jesus ever saying specifically that well, it's against God's will to have a scale that doesn't balance properly so you get more money for more grain that they weigh. Now, that's not possible. So in the book of Proverbs by Solomon, just read all the things, and they are all said by Jesus because the book of Proverbs is about wisdom, and wisdom is definitely about Jesus. Which leads to our first email, 
entitled What the Early Church Said About Abortion. It's by Michael Brown. He begins by saying that while the pro-life position is widely associated with Bible-believing Christians, there are actually so-called professing Christians who identify as pro-choice. He tells about one of his colleagues was speaking at a church in Michigan uh, about the pro-life movement, when to his shock he learned that the pastor of that church had recently taken up taken up an offering to help one of the young ladies in the church get an abortion. How can this be? Well, a pro-life colleague in Charlotte, North Carolina, told him that he knew an abortion doctor in the city who gave a tenth of her earnings to her local church. In her mind, she was doing God's work. In that same spirit, it's reported that, quote, several left-wing pro-abortion activist groups led by so-called clergy are ramping up their efforts to make sure women can abort their unborn children by transporting them to states where abortionists are still operating. In the words of KTC, a pastor in the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice, it's so central to our faith to care for people. So it's no surprise that clergy are part of the group helping people get abortion care. See, isn't that interesting? A, a woman pastor saying that abortion is really central to our faith to care for people. That was another conversation I had last night about how many individuals are talking about that we need to show love, show love to those whom we disagree with with their lifestyle, such as a, a gay person, someone who's had an abortion, women or a nation, etc. Now, how is that love to be shown? I'm going to give you two examples of Jesus showing love. After he told his disciples that he's going to Jerusalem and will die there, but will rise in three days, Peter interrupted him and told him, no, Lord, that won't happen. We'll take care of you. What did Jesus say to Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. Then when the disciples were complaining about all the children coming to Jesus, what did Jesus say to them? Permit the little children to come to me, for of such is the kingdom of God. Now, are we going to say that in those two situations, Jesus was not showing love? Of course he was showing love. Because... Love doesn't mean that you're tolerant or that you will embrace people who are 
going against God's will. It means that you will give them the law. And what is the law? The law is to condemn their sin. You see, when you give the law, that is a loving action. You don't have to yell at a person. We're not saying that. Jesus wasn't yelling at the disciples or Peter, but he made them really feel uncomfortable because they were going against the will of God. It is our task as Christians to make people feel uncomfortable if they're sinning against God because you and I are so uncomfortable when we sin against God that we repent of our sin. Now, when we look at the scriptures, it is clear that the Bible describes the humanity of the baby in the womb. In the womb, Jesus was only a few hours old in the womb of Mary when she visited Elizabeth, and Elizabeth referred to her as the mother of the Lord. So the pro-life position is easily found in the pages of the Bible. But when, according to this email, you look to the writings of the early Christian leaders, their condemnation is even more direct and forceful. And remember, this was without the visual evidence of ultrasounds and without today's massive improvements in fetal viability. Still, they recognize abortion for the, will, for the evil that it is. One of the earliest church writings from outside the New Testament is called the Didache, D-I-D-A-C-H-E, also known as the Teaching of the Twelve, as if going back directly to the Twelve Apostles. It, sa it says, The commandment teaches you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not seduce boys, you shall not commit fornication, you shall not steal, you shall not practice magic, you shall not use potions, you shall not procure an abortion, nor destroy a newborn child. See, that's how the Christians understood the commandments of God. Even though Jesus' own words in the New Testament can't be found to support what they say. But you got to remember, yes, the Bible was written by many writers, but there was only one author, and that is God himself. Abortion and infanticide by the early church were prohibited, regardless of what the rest of the culture practiced. Such was the culture counter-mentality of the church because it was transformed by the word rather than conformed to the world. Uh, another important source from the early church is the letter of Barnabas. It's outside the Bible, but it mirrors the Didache stating you shall not slay the child by procuring abortion, nor again shall you destroy it 
after it is born. It is a baby inside the womb and a baby outside the womb. And yet we have hospitals where a baby is born and it may have a severe sickness and they put it in the corner away from the other babies and allow it to starve to death. That's what's happening in the country. Towards the end of the second century, a church theologian, Tertullian, wrote, In our case, a murder being once for all forbidden, we may not destroy even the fetus in the womb, while as yet the human being derives blood from the other parts of the body for its sustenance. To hinder a birth is merely a speedier man-killing. Nor does it matter whether you take away a life that is born or destroy one that is coming to birth. That is a person which is going to be one. You have the fruit already in its seed. Then 200 more years later, at the end of the 4th century, a theologian, Jerome, wrote, Some go so far as to take potions that they may ensure barrenness and thus murder human beings almost before their conception. Some, when they find themselves with child through their sin, that would be fornication or adultery, use drugs to procure abortion. And when so often happens, they die with their offspring. They enter the lower world laden with the guilt, not only of sins against Christ, but also of suicide and child murder. This is just a sampling of the statements of these church leaders for whom abortion was a deeply sinful practice. In the words of John Chrysostom, also in the late 4th century, abortion is murder before birth. In fact, a dictionary of early Christian beliefs listed more than 20 relevant quotes under the heading of abortion infanticide indicating how these church leaders saw abortion and infanticide as two sides of the same coin. Note that infanticide was widely practiced in the ancient world, with parents leaving unwanted infants outdoors to be killed by animals or nature. For those who are listening to this, who have had abortions or participated in an abortion, it is understandable that these quotations may sting deeply, but they're stated out of love for such individuals. If we hated those who had abortions or were gay, we wouldn't warn them of the possibility of them going to hell. We would just be quiet. We would hate them and want them to be hurt eternally. But we don't want that to happen. We want to be like Jesus in expressing the law when it is necessary 
and then following up with the gospel. Remember, these are the words of Jesus about little children out of Matthew 18, verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. You see, when a baby in the womb is being destroyed, the angels are looking right into the face of the Heavenly Father, and there will have to be an answer to him on that day. A second email that I received was entitled, America's Pagan Sacrifices. This was by Jonathan Kahn. In wake of the Supreme Court's reversal of Roe v. Wade, the issue of abortion has again taken center stage in American culture. Could there be an even ancient connection and mystery to the issue of abortion in America? In the pagan world, and that's before Christianity became well known, it was a feature of abortion, as was infanticide, the practice of killing one's child after birth. And then there was child sacrifice. In fact, that was part of the reason that the Israelites were taken into Babylonian captivity, because they began to worship Baal and others, other idols that really don't exist, of course, but commanded child sacrifice. In pagan culture, it was dangerous to be a child. But what changed all that? Why and how did such practices come to an end? There's only one common denominator, the spread of the gospel, the scriptures, and the Christian faith. Wherever the gospel spread, from the Roman Empire to the ends of the earth, the practices of killing children from infanticide to child sacrifice were coming to an end. So what does this reveal? If the coming of the gospel and the Christian faith ultimately was able to eradicate such practices that put children at risk, then if a culture or nation such as the United States, should begin turning away from the gospel, from the ways of scripture, it's not surprising that this ancient and pagan practice will return. And it's exactly what is taking place. It is no accident that as America began removing God from its public life, its public squares, its schools, its culture. What came in to take its place was a revived form of paganism. In every realm where Christian or biblical values were removed or overturned, what came to fill their place was paganism. Nor is it an accident that the decade that began with the removal of prayer from America's public school system ushered in the practice of abortion on demand in 1970. And then 
the crazy Supreme Court legalized it in the nation in 1973. Now, when these practices came about, like in 1973, people herald them as new enlightenment, but there was nothing enlightened or new about them. It was a revival of an old morality and old practices, that of paganism. In fact, in research, this writer, taking a look at a pamphlet called The Return of the Gods, came across ancient accounts detailing the rituals of child sacrifice in the pagan world. Now, in our day, the pagan world has really come about through the doctrine of the teaching of evolution, because evolution has no morality in it. In fact, as I was talking last night on a phone call, I said, you know, I've often had this dream that I'm on a stage in a chair and on the stage beside me is a woman and she believes in evolution and I don't. And during the debate, I get up and I slap her in the face. Now, this is I'm dreaming. I've never really done this. And she looks at me and she says, why did you do that? And I look at her and said, because I am a lion and you are a lioness. You, you know about lions, don't you? If they get perturbed with their lionesses, they may even kill them and also kill their babies because they only want small lions that are theirs, not some other lion. See, that's what evolution teaches us. And that's what paganism is. Because of evolution, everybody is making up their own morality. And that's why you get a pastor who stands up in this congregation and asks for money in order to pay for the abortion of one of his members. That's evolution at work. A lot of times in modern practice, a woman's unborn child is a hindrance to what she thinks is her economic advance because women have the same problem, some of them, that they want to be equal to men. I've never really understood why in tennis, where there's a match, the woman gets paid the same amount if she wins as the man does. There is no woman tennis player that can beat a man who is a professional tennis player. And yet, they should be thankful that they're able to move and do the things that they're able to do, not because they're equal to men, because it's very clear that a woman is to be subservient to her husband and it's very clear how that comes about. 
It doesn't mean she doesn't have her own mind and she can speak what she believes. Uh, a lot of time in my marriage, I changed my mind listening to my wife because her advice is better than mine. But the Bible story for this coming Sunday says very clear that a woman is to keep silence in the church and not have authority over men. And she is to learn in submission, just as Jesus learned in submission to the Father to do what he did, namely die on the cross. In today's society, abortion we have sanitized, medicalized, and euphemized, but the act remains in essence the same. We are doing what the ancient pagans did. We are killing our children. But perhaps the greatest difference between us and the ancients is that of scale. They killed thousands of their children, but we have killed millions, over 60 millions, 60 million and still counting. We are now veering dangerously close to infanticide. So the killing of children was so grievous an act that it led to the judgment and destruction of ancient Israel. The cry of their blood ascended to heaven. Can any civilization that murders millions of its most innocent escape calamity or endure for long? Is there hope? Of course. When Israel returned to God, the sign of its turning and its revival was that it broke the bloody altars of the gods. And that happened on June the 24th, 2022, when America's most pagan of altars, that of abortion, was broken, though not ended. We'll have more to say about this and other Law and Gospel points on Monday's celebration. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.